this is episode, what episode is this, Ryan? Like 18? I think it's 18. Uh, We're doing an episode today? Yeah. Uh, Research Radio. We're talking about exercise order because Ryan and I are building this program for uh, the hypertrophy camp, which uh, you can have if you want because we're going to show it to you right now. And we got to do a little debate about what should go first, bench or squat. And you want to tell them your rationale for, for why you're wrong? Uh, well, that's interesting because I, I'm actually right. And you would want the squat to go first uh, because that is the way it has always been done in the history of weightlifting. Powerlifting, right? So you're, you're extracting from like a powerlifting meet. Um, you know, powerlifting, bodybuilding, uh, any other kind of strength sport, uh, just bro downs. Actually, that's not true. Bro downs. That's not true. Catch. Squat yeah. is not included. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I just really like to squat first. Otherwise, I'm thinking about it the whole time. So that, that's your rationale. It's completely anecdotal because you, you, you have to get up for the squat. Yeah, that's that's completely it. Well, there's also like biomechanical things too, I guess if I wanted to be technical and, and try to sound intelligent. Um, and that all of the stuff that I'm gonna do in a bench is gonna be like the exact opposite of the things I'm trying to do in a squat in terms of like stacking a thorax and a pelvis and everything. Cause I bench with a pretty significant arch. So I had to come out of that after benching and then try to reset things to, to be able to do a squat and the least crappy way that I'm capable of, which is still pretty crappy. Um, but you know, it, it's not like that's impossible to do for me. It's, it's, it's more just the psychological component of like doing work and knowing that I still have to do the hard work. And then I just kind of like have that in the back of my mind, you know, it seems, it seems like talking to people, a lot of it's mental. Cause like if they're benching, then they're thinking about the squat that's coming. Um, and so that, but I, it's very, I, I asked Instagram and we got over 250 responses and there were so many people that were wrong. Like so many people were wrong. <laughs> it's like 58% of people were wrong. You should have um, done it on MySpace. You get much better, much better responses on MySpace, I found. Yeah, yeah. We probably would have got you, one. I you were the only one. So. <laughs> it was a hundred percent bench. It was a hundred percent bench. Like I voted as many times on, on all the accounts. I voted on yeah. Steph's accounts. I voted on yeah. Flower Tree's account. My friend Tom, he, he voted for bench. Uh, so and I could see who voted, so I can you know it's it's it's, it's nice. And but <laughs> if we if we don't have a lot of research on this, because it's actually it's actually kind of it seems like a very simple question, but it's actually a kind of important topic. Like if you're gonna do full body training, um, what should you do first? And if if we look at the research, the research that we have is primarily in relatively untrained people, like always. Um, so maybe their work capacity isn't real isn't great um mm. but we predominantly see it is that the exercises that you're going to do later in the workout you're going to have less reps whereas if you put them in the beginning of the workout you would get more reps and so the the only study we have is is out of uh, brazil in 2014 that looked at this and and i can show i'll share it with you uh so i'll just share my screen right now and pull it up and it's this radimus study a lot of this stuff is is coming out of one lab in Brazil, which always makes me a little mm -hmm. bit squeamish because it's it's all out of the, the same lab. 
So this was actually this was actually out of U.S., but uh, a lot of them are out of the. I don't know how to say the last name. Sioma. Um, and so, what you can see is the bench. This is, is this table is kind of confusing, but this bench press group, they they bench first, and then this S group they squatted first. They both squatted and benched at at ten reps of their seventy five percent one RM. Uh, granted, their seventy five percent one RM was like one hundred and thirty five pounds. So these dudes are not super trained, um, yep. but you can see, and then this is, so what they're checking, it looks like the decrement as we would expect when you have like a one minute rest interval and a two minute rest interval, looks like you're going to get a pretty severe drop off. So if you look at the back, so if, if we think this bench press group benched first, and this is their, so these are their squat reps. So look what happens. The bench prep group, they didn't have as much of a drop in their squat, but the squat group fell off real bad on the bench in mm -hmm. those in those last so it doesn't look like if you can prioritize it it doesn't look like you're if you bench press especially if you have three minutes rest it doesn't and maybe that's just because these guys were on train but if you bench first it doesn't look like it's going to have a, a, as big an effect on your squat reps as if you squat first it looks like it's going to have a pretty significant um effect on your on your bench press but i think the best way to be to just try it right yeah, well, there's one thing that I think is really important to note here is that there's um, not a whole lot of places you can hide on a bench press in terms of technique. Like the bar needs to touch your chest and your elbows need to lock out. And there's not a whole lot of deviations that you can make in order to get that weight up if things start to go awry. Um, mm -hmm. So in a squat, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff that can happen. Uh, and you can, still, you can still get that weight up. So, uh, you know, somebody said something on a podcast that was interesting to me of like, and I, and I bet you this will come in the future is like, we, we really need to see, like, it'd be nice to see training videos of the studies actually taking place and to see, I think it was Scott Stevenson that was that mentioned that. And it's, I thought that was a really cool idea. And, and I don't think that that's really that difficult to, to get because most of this stuff is, is published online at this point. Anyway, it'd be pretty easy to have it linked up. Um, and just you're going to run into like media stuff. Cause all this, all these studies are de-identified and yeah. then, so all of a sudden you got people's faces on there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's easy enough to blur out a face and, you know, whatever he needs to do, but it's just a thought. I mean, it's, it's really like, um, something to consider, you know, when you're looking at this stuff and I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case. Like I, I would just throw that in there as a caveat, what's likely happening. And what I would assume is just like, by the time they get to the bench, you're tired, you know, from the squatting, that makes a lot of sense. And that, well, that was the point of that study. That study yeah. was actually looking at energy expenditure and they found that if you squatted first and then benched, you're you had more of a respiratory component so that it was it yeah. was harder um as far and, and so then there was that's where if you're training the general population that might be what you're after um, now these guys train uh they, they tested the vo2 of these subjects as well right yeah so was, was there anything that came up with that that uh so that's, I know that it that's was, the other it thing it, swing. yeah if you're it looks like so that that's the that's kind of what we talked about if you're completely detrained it looks like a lot of these things matter more Whereas yeah. if you have this aerobic capacity, especially if you're resting sufficiently, um, I, I think it's just, that's why like a lot of this research is not that interesting to me because it's in untrained people. Yeah. I think if you get trained people, like what is there, what I've found though is, and this is, this is just uh, me playing with stuff over the last six months is um, if I do like leg accessory work, 
after I leg press or after I do squats to a, to nine or 10 RPE. Um, and I, and I would almost say like, if you leg press, you probably have to go to a nine RPE cause it's just really hard to assess where the hell an eight or a seven RPE is on a leg press. Like I'm think I'm think I'm done at 11 and I would rack it, but then somehow I'll get 16. Um, and so if I do that, then I'm going to have a severe drop off if I move to like leg extensions or any kind of, any kind of accessory work on the legs. And so that's where to me, training frequency comes into point because we know that the the exercises that you put first in your session are going to you're probably going to get the most reps we can you're the freshest yeah central fatigue is going to accumulate especially in the heat so i'm in i'm in i only probably got about a 60 to 70 minute window um so there's that and that's that's in the literature too like maybe i could like have a cooling vest or or like drink ice water the whole time and last another 10 minutes um but eventually i'm just going to overheat and, and so for us, how we kind of worked around it is how can I have, what I found is if I do like upper body mains and then lower body accessories, I don't have that. I don't have a rep drop off. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and so that's, that makes a lot of sense to me for sure. And that, that's kind of what we've just been doing. Like clockwork is we'll do upper body mains, lower body accessory work, and then we'll do upper body accessory work, which has little to no RPE. And then we'll do our lower body mains on the next day. You could probably even do that in some kind of two a day um, that, that might not be as ideal. Um, but that's kind of just what we've gotten to working with just because of our environment. Just whereas I was in the States and it was cold and I was, I was working out for like 90 minutes, no problem. I was like, this is a walk in the park. I'm, I mean, I had to work out for 60 minutes just to even break a sweat. Well, that's because you guys kept getting stopped to get yelled at by the guy at the front desk for having your backpack on the floor. Was it? That's true. Yeah, he wanted, so. he wanted me to put the gym wear in the lockers. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's always an exception to the rule, especially if you're Michael Lexner. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. That's a good point. I mean, the heat is, it makes things, uh, like, I mean, I've done workouts like the way that I normally train out in Costa Rica and it's like, by the time you get to that accessory work, like bicep curls are feeling like pretty damn hard. You know? no, uh, people are, people, <laughs> some people are like legit, like just because of the, just because of the heat, they're like, they're pukey from like tricep yeah, extensions. No, it's, it's bad. Yeah. So the way that you set up your kind of your, um, your split, I like that's, that's essentially how I'll do my full body splits. Just kind of, as like a, a insurance policy essentially like that i'll have you know i'll do things the way that i want to do it on my day one and day three where i like to do my lower body heavier lifts first and then my uh you know my bench afterwards or upper body stuff afterwards doesn't seem to be a huge drop off but i, I also typically don't really change that order so I, i'm not really sure um i have to do that for powerlifting so that's another reason why i personally do that but uh, I, on the day two and day four, if I'm doing like a four-day full-body split, then I will typically start with upper body stuff and then have lower body accessories, even if that's like a, like a split squat or something like that. Because I, I don't find like a – they're hard, but it's not – I don't have to get like as mentally focused. And at that point, if I'm already tired by the time I get to the split squats, it's not really a big deal. It doesn't seem to be a huge drop-off. So I can do my overhead press first or bench first or whatever on those days. And I like structuring that way. I didn't think that's good. And that seems to be a big deal. Like if we, so there's this, there's these kind of these camps, right? Compound exercises first because they're harder, right? They have more, there's more technical things going on. Like granted, you're, you know, you're not doing a floor routine for gymnastics or something, but a deadlift is a lot more complex than a preacher curl. 
Um, and so there's, there's this idea that maybe we put the dumb lift second because you can't really screw them up mm -hmm. from, a, yeah, from an injury risk perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me, but then you could also make the argument that like, if you're walking in the gym at 5 a.m. and you're half asleep, like it might be a good idea to do accessory stuff just to, just to wake up or if it's cold. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things to consider here. And, and just, I think the, the overriding theme is like, what are you used to? And then what is, uh, what's your aerobic capacity? Like, I think that's really important. I think that, that, that will tell you a lot. I mean, if you're somebody who just gasses out really quickly, then uh, you probably, I, I would assume that you would want to put your bigger lifts right at the beginning. Uh, whether it's like squat, like if you're to squat and bench in the same workout, I'd probably make those one and two, whether it's bench mm -hmm. and squat or squat and bench. Because uh, I think if you start throwing a bunch of accessory stuff, just by even just that mental fatigue, by it being now your bench is your fifth exercise instead of your second, like there's probably going to be a bigger drop off. And like just considering multiple factors, like one being your aerobic conditioning, uh, like how, how used to like marathon workouts are you? Are you able to sustain that mental focus and just the substrate that you need to be able to get through that? And if, if you can't, then you probably want to, to make your main lifts, lifts one and two or lifts one, two, three, or whatever it may be. Uh, if you're somebody who seems to do better with, uh, you know, longer workouts, then you can probably, it probably doesn't matter that much. Um, you know, what is your experience in the past? All that stuff is important. A lot of it is just like, most of these are logistical problems, right? For the majority of people, like how many times you're going to train per week. If it's unlimited times, then you probably run like, two a days every day like yep. get as many first lifts as you can mm -hmm. um and and then the other thing is like how long do you want to be in the how long do you want to be in the weight room and, and so you mentioned cool like warming up like using kind of your accessories to to warm up and so the majority of the literature would say that that's a bad idea from a hypertrophy component would be doing but a lot of that's emg stuff um and, and so doing leg extensions or even doing hamstring curls before leg extensions looks to like you don't get as many, you don't get as much quad activation. Um, but I think we can make the argument contextually that you may want to do like those, like say someone can't find their hamstrings on RDL or something like mm. that. Maybe you do hamstring curls first so that they, you know, they, they're already feeling their hamstring curl. They're already feeling their hamstrings and then you kind of move them over to, to an RDL or something like that. Um, or leg extensions and then to a light press or leg extensions into a Zercher front squat or something like that. Yeah. I mean, for whatever it's worth, it seems that a lot of professional like IPB bodybuilders do train that way. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with like perceived injury prevention. And I think there's probably something to that when you're 300 pounds of beef, like, you know, you get to walk into the gym and start squatting six plates. Like you, you probably don't like, and those guys, like a lot of times they're, they're not going to expend a bunch of energy like doing a cardiovascular warm up ahead of time because that actually will take away from their training. So what's like the next best thing, like very specific, they know they have knee pain or something when they squat, they may just warm up the tissues surrounding the knee. So they'll do like extensions, like curls. And it doesn't mean that you're doing like multiple drop sets to failure of, of leg extensions, although they typically do seem to do that. Um, like, but, but there's also like, you can make an argument for that as well. Like, you know, I, I think you would probably for hypertrophy, you'd probably want to get away with using as little load as possible, but making sure that the load is very specific and direct. So that, that could be a way of, of just reducing axial loading. 
And, uh, you know, it's almost like that leg extension is your main lift in a sense. And there might be certain times for that. Um, you know, I, I've definitely done that previously with uh, when I had like some quad issues going on, uh, just with like blood flow restriction, like where I would do like like a leg extension, like the typical 30, 15, 15, 15, whatever protocol, uh, and then go squat with, with bands on. And that was super helpful. I, I mean, I don't know exactly what the mechanism was that was uh, making that be the case, but I mean, we could, we could speculate, but uh, something like that can be really helpful in, in certain situations. Yeah, that's, I'm just trying to, the other thing is for a lot of people that are listening to this, they probably haven't maxed out a lot of these, you know, bodybuilder type exercises. Right. And mm -hmm. so like, they're always, they've always gotten shortchanged. And, and so putting them first could result in significant hypertrophy because they just have areas that are underdeveloped. Yeah, which, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Which leads into kind of like, if we're talking about exercise order, what do we, well, we have compounds before we have lifts that are technical before, before dumb lifts we have, then you have, then you have to make the point, like maybe you put the exercises that are a priority for you first, um, because you're probably going to get the best results on those exercises. So if you're, you know, your quads are undeveloped or whatever, if you're, specifically training for hypertrophy if you're not training for hypertrophy then then i don't know why you're listening to this podcast but made <laughs> <laughs> a really long time before realizing this podcast probably isn't for you <laughs> i mean if you're if you're training for strength or athletic ability those, those are those are very different things um, and i think that's where a lot of the protocols come from as well for sure a lot of the like, recommendations acsm recommendations or nca recommendations if you, I mean, if you're training to be good at a sport, like you're, you're, you don't want velocity drop offs. You just don't want. You probably just want to be as muscular as you need to be for your sport, and then you just want to be yeah. fast. Yeah. Uh, and because we all know, like the best guys in the weight room are never the best guys. Maybe D line or O line, but like in skill positions, the best guys in the weight room are rarely the best guys on the field. Yeah. I mean, unless the sport is rolling logs across the ground or something, you know. Yeah, strong man or some, yeah. some, yeah, something like that. But even then. Like I, I don't know what your what exercise is going to be your priority there. It's probably yeah, it's completely different. Yeah, probably the, the thing that seems to be the limiter for strongman is grip strength. So mm -hmm. you're probably that that I would guess training frequency would be really really important because you're because you're not going to have much room because your grip's going to go out and then you're going to have to do some other yeah stuff. yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm not the guy to talk about that. Um, so we've talked about like if if we had an ideal world probably we've had training frequency as, as as high as logistically possible and then you get as many first lifts as you could um another way that i think people can save time and one of the reasons that that i've had my own gym for the last nine years is i don't want to i want to do if i'm in i want to do antagonistic supersets mm -hmm. which which is kind of hard it's it's a little bit hard like going back to traveling and kind of going to LA fitness and, and it's, it's hard to have like three or four pieces of equipment. And I'm using that, I'm using that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, wait, don't move that. You, you see can, this weight room? You I'm can work that. in. Okay. <laughs> you can work in. <laughs> Some lady just like completely takes everything out and like moves it down and then yeah. puts like, and then she does like She these. takes 845s off and throws on three fives. <laughs> Uh, great. Uh, no, I guess we'll just work in. 
Like, <laughs> awesome. I didn't, I, I didn't realize I was supersetting, uh, taking off the weights. But, <laughs> and so th- this idea of antagonistic supersets is, is really a way to, to get out of the weight room. It seems to be you're not going to have rep drop-offs if you got 90 seconds to two minutes rest inside of some type of, of, of maybe it's pull-ups and chest flies or something like that. That seems to be a really, really good use of time. Um, and maybe you would get more reps if you did straight sets, but if you're just ch- like chasing this tension model, it seems yeah, like super- it takes forever. <laughs> it takes forever. Right. And it it's kind of, it's kind of fucking boring. Like, yeah, yeah. like, especially if you got two minutes rest on a chest fly, like it's kind of, it's kind of boring. Um, and that, yeah. and then that's why people are making fun of people on their phones. Like, cause yeah, two minutes taking, even taking, I have clients who, you know, who've gone through CrossFit and taking three minutes on a bench is which is which is what they probably need, but that's torture for them. Yeah. <laughs> it's going, You're it's like, dude, great, come on, yeah. man, come on. Yeah, Can yeah, I do some yeah. power cleans in between? Yeah. Like, no, dude, just just rest. Um, and so the you could you can make the argument if you're gonna do antagonistic supersets, you if we're, if we're looking at the literature we do have, you probably want to push before you pull, um, and because pulling could it, it could mess it up. Uh, you probably gonna the you might get more reps on a row if you push first uh which is a little bit different and you might not need as much rest as you think on those antagonistic supersets uh if you're trained the but i would say if you're after metabolic stress yeah don't want to do that don't do that because that like we did we did a straight set metabolic work and if if you're you're not going to get that same type of response if you're jumping around all this equipment because yep. you're because you're you're moving blood everywhere and that's not what you're after when you're after that metabolic stress component. Um, anything else? Anything else you wanted to, to jam on about this topic? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think just considering like individual factors, I think it's important. Uh, like, I think like you look at the studies and the, they're they're nice to see, but if you find that you're the complete opposite of that, then that's fine too. Like, I don't think you have to to, to worry so much about that. Uh, like uh, it's just it's something that you experiment with that you probably figure out pretty damn quickly, like where you're going to, to fall here. It was pretty blatant. Like when we started doing it, like when I put, I knew how much weight we were doing when I had leg extensions on the back end of a workout and I yep. put that weight on in the front of the workout. I'm like, fuck, this is way too easy. Like this is, I'm going to have to go up 30 pounds in order to yeah, get yeah. 15 reps. So it was, it was some of this stuff. If you're tracking things, it's, it's fairly easy to figure out. Um, and you, and, and that's the big thing is you're, if you're actually tracking, all you have to do is switch up little things and then it's probably going to pop out with what may be helpful. Yeah. One thing that I would say is like, you would want to try to differentiate between systemically being fatigued and locally being fatigued. So say like you were to do a workout, like you did a, a back and biceps workout or something. By the time you get to, you did three exercises for back that day. And by the time you get to the biceps, like you're, you're going to have some, some local fatigue already in your, in your biceps. So you're going to expect that to drop down a little bit. But if you did uh, a workout that was like, uh, you know, leg press and like RDL and then like bicep curls, fantastic program. If you were to do that and you still find that you have the same drop off, because because technically you should be uh, from a local standpoint your biceps should not be fatigued from the second workout you, you squatted and, and did and did the deadlifts if you find that you still have a huge amount of fatigue 
uh, that, that is accumulated, or a huge drop-off that's accumulated by the time it gets to that bicep curl, that may be when it's time to consider, like, what is your aerobic conditioning like? Uh, because that's telling me that you're just systemically fatigued or centrally fatigued or whatever the hell you want to call it. You're, you're not locally fatigued. And, and then that, to me, is, is telling me that you probably have something that you can, you can work on there. And that if you were to increase some of those adaptations. There's a limiter outside of muscle. Exactly. And that, that's important. That, that's something that, because I, I think that'll stem into other things along the recovery line as well. Like it seems that the better your aerobic system is, the better your entire system is health-wise. So if, you, if you're finding that to be the case, then you're looking at a different issue. All things being equal, if you are finding that when you do bench later in the workout, that there's significant drop-off and not so much when you do squat later in the workout, then I think you found your answer. That, that if that's what you're going for within that, that training block, because I, I think all things being equal, if you can handle more load for more reps, it's probably better for hypertrophy. The one thing that I'm curious about is like when it comes to particularly accessory lifts, like we were talking about leg extensions, for example, like if you put leg extensions first, I wonder if it really matters uh, for something like that. Like, because uh, like, I feel like there's probably benefit to being a little bit fatigued, just uh, like joint wise, going into something like a leg extension. Because I don't know if you want to be like maxing those things out incredibly. Like I, I feel like it's it's probably better to already have some local fatigue going in. Um, and I just don't know if that would impact the hypertrophy adaptation at all. Because I almost look at like a leg extension as being probably something that's more metabolically focused anyway, like locally metabolic. Like, I, I don't know that we're like, you don't want to be set doing like sets of 10 on a, on a leg extension or like sets of eight or something. Right. So Which like, is I, sometimes I what you see in the literature and you're like, God, what is it? That's yeah, like, that, dude, like just intuitively, like we both know, like, dude, that's going to be, that's just something bad <laughs> at some point. Like, so I don't know. Like, I, I feel like, for something like that. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell are you guys doing? Like, what does that even look like? It's know. like, you know how, how silly I'd look getting amped up for a one rep max leg extension. Cause I would, I would psych myself up the exact same way that I do for, for anything else. Uh, which, you know, I gotta you know, pour water on my face <laughs> and like slap everything, and, you know, gyrate around for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm wondering if like certain things are, um, like you shouldn't really care, you know, like if, if it's like you see a huge drop off on, on leg extensions at the end of the workout, like, does that mean that you should never do leg extensions at the end of the workout or something like that? You're, I don't, I don't think, I guess my point is like, I, I, with certain things, it probably doesn't mean that you're not still getting a good result from it just because there's drop off. Cause we want some fatigue to accumulate. I mean, cause we are going to get more motor unit recruitment just from, just from fatigue at some point, just when it gets to, the point where it's like past the point of it being productive, uh, then then you're you're kind of doing nothing. So I guess the other question is like, yeah, when do volume. we know when that's when when's that the case? Yeah, like when is junk volume? Uh, like, is there a certain threshold that we can look at? Like, is it a thirty percent drop off or something? Just off the top of my head, I, I don't know. Like, at one point, at what point does it feel like like this? Or at what point do we know that it's just not really productive? I, I don't know that we really have the, the answer to that question. Well, I, I think that we've it probably depends on the person, but it, it's probably in this range of like nine to 13 sets you have maybe per muscle group, mm -hmm. uh, which is a lot. Like, uh, and, and, and so the study that 
the study that we're doing is is four sets per muscle group kind of every day um and and i think that's that's where i've been at is like six days a week around four to six sets per muscle group just um just essentially just pounding that down and and but that's a lot of time. Like I'm chronically in, I'm in, it's actually probably less time for me because it's training is almost like my anchoring habit. So if I go in there at the same time every day, it kind of sets my day up for success. And so mm-hmm. for me, for me, training frequency, I'd rather train more often than train three times per week. Um, that That's just me. Whereas some people, you know, because of your life, it might be a lot easier to just maybe, you know, maybe you have, like, I don't have to drive to the weight room. Like I literally just walk outside. There it is. Um, mm-hmm. Some people have, there's a lot more things they have to do to get there. Um, so a lot of, I don't think we've really answered any of these questions. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know that, that that's the, that's my, I don't think there are answers. Like no, it's, 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 it's completely individual. I totally. would say, I would say that if we're looking at blanket rules, your first, the first lifts in your, in your, session are probably you're probably gonna do the best on you're gonna have the get the most reps and that could be good or bad uh that, like that you could you can kind of use whatever if you've been doing compounds your whole life first maybe try something else um and yeah. see it see if that gets you a little bit more bang for your buck um if you're you know if you have some nagging injuries maybe you can reduce like people who have joint pain i'm always asking like how can we get adaptations with the least amount of load um, and, and then maybe you try some of these other things. Uh, but I, the, the productive volume, I think, is, is a big thing. Because a lot of people, like if you train, think about like where we, when we grew up, it was the bro split. Uh, like I was just reading muscle and fitness magazines and I was just going to do fucking 20 sets of back on, you know, it was chest. I was doing 20 oh, yeah. sets of chest on yeah, one day. Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> And then, and then, like, if you ask people what what like muscle group is a priority for them, they're obviously going to say like chest and biceps, and those are the littlest muscle groups in your in your upper body, right? Like your delts are a lot bigger, like, and, and your quads are a lot bigger than your hamstrings, and so maybe by muscle volume, maybe you think that maybe maybe you get a coach and you ask them like, hey, what do you think I need to work on? And they're like, well, you know. Your your multifidus. Your multifidus is. I'm very good at identifying multifidus insufficiency. I have a good eye for that. So let's jump. Let's jump into this. How we kind of got into this. uh, This whole conundrum is the hypertrophy camp. We have a sample size of about 13 or 14 right now. So I don't know if we can take any more people for this, but if you're really hell bent on uh, coming to the jungle and training four times in a row, full body, uh, we can probably get one or two more people in the maybe uh, Ryan will blow his head off. If you fuck up the rotation though. Uh, so, so this is my group as long as you're not Ryan's group. And so the, this is the lead-in program for that. And, and so we're trying to get people ready, essentially, to be able to train full body multiple times in a row. Because I don't think a lot of people are training like that. Would you agree? Yeah, it seems like, it seems like it's becoming a little bit more popular now from what I see in my, my monthly visit on the social medias. <laughs> um, but it's, I think overwhelmingly, yeah, most people are, are not really – uh doing this on a, on a regular basis either they're doing like some type of 
what I've seen most often is they're doing some kind of like maybe circuit based training and then kind of, and then like a hypertrophy day or, or there's, there's different qualities yeah. that kind of work. It, it seems like more of the strength side of things like are, are people are starting to do this a little bit more, but I don't know. It seems like for hypertrophy, it's like you, if you're doing an upper lower thing, you're like, Oh, cool. Like you, you've, you've been doing a little bit of reading. Um, but most people seem to be still on like the blow, bro splits or maybe even like a push pull legs or something like that. So the frequency is you still, they're usually getting a few days in between uh, at least on, on for I mean, bro splits, I think they, they exist for a reason because like anecdotally, you just get it, an insane pump. And, yeah. Which and is so, good. That's a benefit to that. <laughs> it's a benefit. Um, Dude. Yeah, I mean, you want to run that as long as you possibly can. Like, if I, if honestly, if I had a 13 year old that came to me and they wanted to start lifting, I would probably have them do the program that I did when I was 13, which was a bro split. Like, and do that as long as possible until they stop getting results from it. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But yeah, generally, I think people are still kind of stuck on a lot of that stuff. Uh, so yeah, this is this is going to be preparing someone uh, like like week by week to get ready for those those uh, multiple. Which, bring, which brings me to a lot of those like a lot of those exercise order things where they're looking at long-term hypertrophy and untrained subjects maybe it's like a six to 12 week study and i mean you got to think like by the look at the exercise sequence that they're doing if they're doing full body like they're doing like 30 sets four times a week or 30 sets three times a week like that person doesn't need that like so it doesn't it makes sense that they're not going to see anything because they had the stimulus in the first 20 to 30 minutes yeah, and now they're yeah, just beating a dead horse. horse. Yeah, totally. Uh, and so, yeah, the, you wouldn't, in those type of situations, you wouldn't expect to see a difference in hypertrophy. But I think in, if we look at trained individuals, you might see something if you yeah. have like, if long you can, yeah. long term, if you, if you know, if you have, if you can do eight sessions in a week. And so you essentially, you have eight, one and two exercises that might get you a lot more productive volume in, you know, over a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, and so speaking of unproductive volume, and so <laughs> no, <laughs> we're trying to get people ready to train their entire body four times in a row. And so there's, we're kind of, we're, we're having this progression of, you know, two times they're starting. This will be a deload probably for most people. That's what we want. It's two sets to an eight IR, to two reps in reserve. And then that goes to, um, I think week two, what do we do? Two sets. It's going to say the same. We're just adding um, the accessory. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 What do we do here? Oh, so that should actually be a one, one IR. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. The, so now yeah, we're wh taking wh yeah. whoever edited this program did not do a good job. So that's a one IR. So these this goes down. All these mains are going to go to a one IR on week two, and so that's how we're progressing it. And then on week three, we go back to a two IR. But I think they yeah they train four times per week. So now we're actually yep. training full body four times per week. And then week four is the is the overload week. And that's pretty nasty. That's three on all your accessories. Oh, yeah. On week two, we added the accessory volume goes up. Some of it goes up to three. Um, we are yeah. going to make that switch. Yeah. 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 That's so this, yeah. this second day, that, that, that allows us to have a little bit less of a load spike on, on yeah. week four. Um, and so mostly that's for me. So I don't go crazy only doing two sets of accessory exercises. Yeah. Like this is going to, that's what I want to test. Like how long, 
if you, if you're taking three minutes on a bench, you got to think the bench is going to take what ten minutes. Yeah, twelve. I don't know. Warm up, warm up sets. I mean, I, I got to warm up a lot. Using a lot of weight, you know. So probably for you to take about ten, which is legit. Uh, actually, we kind of bench almost. Well, yeah, the same we, my bench is not that much higher than yours. <laughs> Squad, I'll give you. Uh, yeah. So the new trigger pull up, the that's gonna take. Has about a thirty second set, so that's about two minutes, four minutes. That's about. This is about probably another ten. This is gonna be twelve to fifteen. So you'll be out of the upper body in probably thirty to thirty five minutes. This is an. I would guess this is gonna be like. I would guess a ninety minute work. Yeah, I mean, it should be if you're taking on average, uh, even four minutes per per set between warm up sets and just moving weight around and all that stuff. It's twenty sets. Take a yeah, hour and twenty minutes or hour and a half. That's not this. This one might we might get this one around maybe a little bit more than an hour, but this yeah. week this week four. Like this is gonna this be gonna be some long sessions. Yeah. This this is gonna be a long session, um, and I think that that's what we got to get people ready to ready to do. But the other option in the real world is you could run a two a day, or you could four times a week. So that's why upper full body training is is kind of advantageous because eventually you're gonna have to train full body every day if you want to up your sets to yep. you, to these ranges that you know maybe you probably don't need to go. A lot of people don't need to go to, especially in the beginning. Like you don't need to be at 20 sets. Like eight to 12 is probably going to be fine. But eventually, mm-hmm. like volume tolerance is probably is is likely one of the bigger gains in yep. in, in hypertrophy. And so, if you want to get up to 30 sets per week, you're going to probably have to train every day. Um, you could train three times. You could essentially, if we, you could try 10 sets three times per week. Maybe that would be a thing. But I think that you. Six. Yeah, you'd have to break those up into upper lower sessions or something, though. You'd still be training six days a week. Yeah, you'd still be. You'd still be training. Sets per muscle group per day, like yeah, that's uh, that'd be like seventy sets a day. The I haven't seen many people that can. Maybe this is kind of getting to your junk volume. I haven't seen many people who have the capacity to hit more than thirty plus sets in a in a workout. Like that's a that's a pretty. This is a pretty gnarly session at twenty nine sets in a workout. Yeah, for a full body workout, that's a lot. Like I, I, I have like pretty consistently uh, have myself and some other more trained people do up, up towards forty for an upper body workout. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's for upper body, and that's but for for full body, as soon as you start throwing these lower body lifts in there, things start to get pretty gnarly around thirty sets. Because your RPE for lower body, like you do a leg press, three sets of a leg press to a legit zero or 1.5 like you got no reps left reps left in the tank you do that for three sets and tell me how the rest of your fucking day goes yeah yeah um whereas if you do that for lap pull downs not the same and, and so that's kind of what the literature shows is like your rpe is going to be less if you use less reps so if, like you know a four by three is going to be a, probably easier than a two by 15 mm-hmm. um and, and so and then upper body generally is a lot less perceived exertion than lower body. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, and then by the end, so this is the, by week five, we're, we're in the, this is the game right here. And so that's what we're going to, and our, and the, the thing we're after is like, what kind of rep drop offs are we going to see and train people? And my hypothesis is that at, at four sets a day, we probably 
uh, we'll probably be able to maintain for four days straight. My guess is that we can maintain work sets. I think so too. Yep. Um, uh, now, can we do that? Can, could we do that, you know, five days a week for six weeks? I don't think so. I think eventually, you know, some point, yeah, shit's going to hit the fan. Right. Um, which is why you change stuff. But I, it, this is a question that we don't in the literature is it hasn't been answered because a lot of these recovery studies are all done to failure. Whereas what happens when you go to a nine, like you're not taking everything to failure. I, mm. I think that people are pretty trained. I think they're going to be able to just hit it like clockwork. Yeah, I think so too. I, I yeah, if you're, especially if you're staying around like an eight, maybe a nine, I, I think you could do this quite often. And we're only doing two sets too. So I think the total sets here is like 20 by the, on that last workout and the actual, yeah, I mean, that's, it's not obscene. And, and the, most of these lifts are pretty low key lifts. So we have the squat and the bench, but other than that, and the RDL is, is taxing, but other than that, none of these are too incredibly taxing. So I, I think something like this could be, that's another thing that you can adapt to <laughs> that would relate to hypertrophy. You know, like how can you start at, I don't know, maybe you start the first week at sevens and then go to eights and then go to nine and just see how long you can do nines four days a week, five days a week, and then rerun it and try to make it another week at nines. It's just, it's just another, like, I don't know that you'd want to do that forever, but it could be a nice kind of retesting type of protocol that you could do a couple times a year and just see every year you should be trying to, to accumulate more, just one quality that would relate. The other big thing, the men, like why I think this is going to be good for me too, uh, is just like the journeyman, like punch the clock kind of nature. I mm-hmm. think a lot, a lot of people like set their workouts up and like they have to get up for certain workouts. Like this is just like, I'm going to go in, I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to get out. Whereas I, I think like a lot of people are way too emotional mm-hmm. about, about training. Um, and, and so I don't know anyone like that. Yeah, like they have a bad day, and, and, and then you know it, it spirals. No, 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 you got it wrong. They have a bad workout, and then they yeah. have a bad day. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't I know think, anything about that. No, you like that doesn't happen <laughs> regularly. Don't talk to me. Don't talk. <laughs> I mean, probably most of your fights with Caitlin are probably you should <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after you've had bad training sessions. Yeah, there's a direct correlation between the amount that I deadlift that week and the amount of arguments that we have for sure by pr we're having a great week so this kind of allows people and i remember pat talking to me about these like yeah i had i had my my you know my lifting team one rep max like on every day for like he did i think he did it for like a month straight like every day mm-hmm. they had to come in and he's like I, I just wanted them to like not get super hyped up i just wanted them to be like this is what i'm gonna do today this is what i have and not be attached to those kind of results yeah, man, it's it's funny. Like this is kind of off topic, but but not not really. Um, yeah, I just find like with my because you like I'm a very emotional lifter. I'm probably a very I'm a very emotional person. We can French. throw that out there. I'm French. Like what am I supposed to do? We've been through a lot. Uh, you know, sometimes my my croissant <laughs> lost every word you've like ever met it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just a lot. Like I I can't always get in the clear every day. Um, but I find that because this week I'm actually doing like the first true deload that I've done. I mean, I think in like a year and a half or so, like that I've actually like a systemic, legit deload. Yeah, like reduce the volume, reduce the load, uh, and so like a like a tr- like a true deload, like as if uh, you know, if you, if you thought that that stuff was important, that's probably what it would normally look like. And 
Because usually what I'll do is just a, a volume deload where the intensity actually increases, but the volume drops. And I think you can still get plenty of recovery that way. I, I like doing that most of the time. That's how I train most people. I think that that's you get the most bang for your buck that way. But uh, I've just been beat to shit. Like, so I was like, I, I need to do this before start this, the study and the next phase of training after that. Um, and I, I find that like, I don't need to get psyched up for the lifts. Um, but they feel so damn heavy when I don't. Um, so like, like, cause you, like, you've seen me train enough and like, I, I have to like, if people make fun of me, like, it's like, oh, you're getting too emotional. Like, but it's like, dude, I, I've tried to not do that. And when I do, it's like, I can't get there. Like everything just feels like a mountain. Uh, it's, so it's, it's really interesting. So even during these deload weeks, uh, when the, the weights are, are fairly light, like they still feel way heavier than, than I would expect. And, uh, and I don't think it's just from like the accumulated fatigue. I think it's just like the, the psychological component or, or just the, the way that I'm approaching the lift. So, cause I've heard Pat talk about that as well. And that's kind of like the Russian model, I think, is that they try to never get excited about their, their, their attempts in training. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I've never like been disciplined enough to, to really give that a long go, but it just, uh, for me, it's like really hard to not get psyched up to lift <laughs> if I'm going to actually do something. So I, I don't know if you've ever tried to like really stick. Cause when you say you're not getting emotional about the training, I think you're still getting yourself fired up a little bit. You still yeah. Yeah. Off. I mean, I've, I've just become a lot better at letting go. And maybe this is like, I don't think this is maybe that good for performance. I've just been, I've become a lot better at like letting go of bad days. Like, yeah. Like, and, and so like if my, if I can do 225 for, you know, like, 14 reps and I, you know, after that metabolic stress block, I mean, I can only do 225 for 11. So I was like, fuck, like, cause I'm, I'm, I'm stupid with numbers. So I always have like numbers in my head. Mm -hmm. And, and so if I don't beat numbers, I, that's, you know, that's not necessarily that fun, but I've become a lot better at letting that go because I, eventually they're going to go down um, eventually. And, and so what, what I think that, that doesn't necessarily subvert my effort. I think that's kind of the, the biggest. And what's been really, really helpful for me on that is, and I think the even we're starting to see a lot of literature on this, is is, is the velocity-based stuff. Mm. Because, I mean, because that makes it objective. Like, I can't cheat that. And and I've found, like, even just messing with Jonder, like, the more I can get him to take those first reps seriously of a set, like, maybe not, like, super psyched up, but I – I think a lot of people, if you're going to do like a fifth set of 15, like you're not really taking those first five very seriously. And, and that's going to hurt you on the back end of that set. Cause you're so not, okay, if you're seeing a higher velocity on those first few reps, they have a longer uh, like endurance throughout that set or, or they get, end up getting more reps ultimately. Yeah. I can generally, I can generally pull two or three more reps out of him. If I can get him to like, I think of the, I think of the, the gym aware or speed for lifts or whatever you use. Um, I think of that thing as like a carnival ride. And like, if I can get him to ding that thing faster and it just yells at him, if I can, mm. get him to, if I can get him to ding that thing faster in the beginning of a set, and it kind of has that psychological component that you're talking about. Like, cause, cause if, if you know, like you've been doing, you know, two thirty or whatever that is on a, on a front squat or two fifty, whatever, whatever way you're at. And you know that your first rep is maybe at 0. 0.6 or point maybe even 0.7 or meters per second and you don't hit that but like it's just like ding 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 you know what you should be at and yeah. so 
it, it's it's been really helpful and it's also i think that it's been teach it's been very i think that you can have these hard rpe sets but really have you know you're you're saying that you're finishing it at a 10 rpe but you really could have had two more reps so that's that's a very interesting thing to me yeah i mean that just sounds like dopamine to me it's like you get that that first those first few reps they start you start hearing some some numbers that you like and you're like oh yeah like <laughs> i'm getting reinforced uh or or the first couple reps are shitty and then they start to get better then you're like all right i, got, I fucking got this but it well, can also, also work the other way too <laughs> you think about the sticking point too of the lifts and i think it, you're blowing through the sticking point yeah the fashion and that that's i think that's important so you can you're you're using less muscular tension to maybe you're using less effort to do the lift because you're you're explosively coming out of the hole so here's something that i that i would really like to see if you blinded him to the numbers i wonder if he would still get the same result i think i'd get the same result if i yelled at him okay but like if you yeah so i i like you'd have to do it like either give like don't say anything in both both tests right um give him the number and then don't give him the number just tell him in the second thing like i I want you to move these as fast as you can on all of them Mm -hmm. i think something about having that reinforcement from the number is probably just creating a response that just like gets him moving there's four or five studies there's because what i would assume because because what what you would see like because you're if you're moving the weight harder uh if you move the weight faster i guess well if you factor in the sticking point you are blasting through the sticking point but you you are going to be spending more energy um but I, I guess if you're factoring the sticking point, then that, that isn't so much the case because you are going to blast through that sticking point so that in, in, in turn ends up becoming uh, less energetic. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd just be curious. I, I wonder what, what would be the result. Like if you didn't have that feedback from the, uh, the reinforcement from the number, if you would still actually get the extra reps. The, the research that we has, have says that any kind of reinforcement so like yell like obviously environmental right like if you got like the the environments that we've had in in costa rica or at wheeler ranch where you got you know 25 dudes like in a powwow circle just yelling at you like you're gonna get like you're gonna get leave but you're gonna leave like there's too many way too many way too many people counting your reps (laughs) yeah but for most of us for most of us you you just have like you're discordant yeah, <laughs> you're like completely lifting discordant. Um, if, if, if you got, if you guys don't get that reference, uh, read some sex therapy books. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really too bad. Like I feel bad for you. Like you don't get to have the same experiences that most. Of I don't. Do. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Your lift, your lifting boner goes away. And like, I mean, I, most I think, of our, you know, I mean, I'm sure that there's a. a percentage of the population that's lifting discordant and you know we can all lift in silence together or listen to ska preferably it's like yeah like the shirt like pretend that neither one of us are there introverts band together in our own houses by ourselves <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can live with me come go to your own go to your own gym at 8 a.m that's why i feel like i have to like give, like give a disclaimer when people say they want to work out with me i'm like like you can work out with me but like we're not going to we're not going to talk at all. Like, I, I, if you think that you're going to do my workout, like you're going to do your workout, I'm going to do my workout. At Just my make gym, it sound, and you're going to be yeah, at your gym. <laughs> you're at your gym, and then you know we'll talk later. Uh, 
Yeah, no, just let me know. Like, if, you, if the if the bar is on your face, I'll come lift it off of you or something after a while, after, after I finish my set. But, uh, yeah, we can work out together, sure. Yeah, if you see Ryan around Austin and he's lifted and he seems very focused, like, that's the best time to ask him questions about your program. It's the best time. Yeah, so, or, yeah or your diet. Um, yeah. I care, like, you know, what, what kind of what kind of vegetables do I eat? Um, yeah, I would love to talk about all that stuff for sure. Right between right between deadlift sets is probably the best. Yeah, yeah. When you see a clock going right next mm-hmm. to me, so you know I'm timing my rest. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, uh, uh, so that was that was fun. If you're still with us, uh, we'll share I'll, we'll share this program with you if you want to if you kind of want to do it with us. It might be a lot different than anything you've ever done. Um, if you're like me in the heat you know that this is going to be uh, pretty terrible. It's going to be a pretty significant change. Uh, my RPs, my RP and my sessions is probably maybe a five or six right now. These are going to be, these are going to be a good nine. Um, by the end, it's going to be a slog. By the, this, yeah, I, w- this I would encourage people the first round that they run, because you could run this multiple times if you wanted to, because uh, the deloads are kind of like worked into it. And the, mm-hmm, but I would yeah. encourage people to, we talked about splitting up the workouts, particularly when you get to that week three. I would try to make it through that whole workout on that week, at least the first round. Yeah, this this oh, micro four, four. Yeah. yeah. See, you know, like I would, I would try to, you know, because you, you probably haven't done something like that before, so there's there's some some stuff to be gained by you know trekking through that thing, and then you could always rerun it again and, and see, uh, you know, if you break that up, like what, how significant of the of an increase is there? And your your micro six actually. Like if, if like what these guys are doing, so maybe we'll put the micro six in here. Cause that's, um, for everybody else. Cause that's, that's essentially a testing day, four days in a row, yeah. uh, where you're going to a nine or a 9.5 on everything. And so then you'd come back around on, on that micro one. And, and then that, that would be another deload. Um, yeah. so we'll throw that, we'll throw that micro six in here. Um, yeah. but, well, yeah, appreciate you guys. Uh, we'll try to, We'll try to get more of these out over the next uh, couple months. But Bro Research Radio, we're back. Anything you want to add, Ryan? Um, yep. Just remember not to talk to me if you see me working out. That's when are you gonna it. When are you gonna post again on social media? Like, uh, I got one. I got one planned for uh, February uh, 2021. So I'm working on that post. You had a story once. I saw it. Like. Did you? Yeah, I think you reposted. Uh, you posted your own post as a story. I saw that once. Oh uh, man, I, I don't know. I was, Maybe Caitlin did that for you. Yeah, I, sometimes my thumbs get in the way of the screen. I hit things. I, I don't really know what happens. And all of a sudden, things get posted. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I. I think I may have tried to do that. Like I may have done that intentionally because I thought I was supposed to. But I. I don't know how this stuff works. I'll start reposting again at some point. Like I. You know, just, you know how I am with social media. It's so hard for me. It's such a challenge. I'm just glad you keep talking. I can keep going for a long <laughs> time. I, I still I still have a lot of body parts to do for the in-between, like the... Oh, uh, when the, when the internet goes out? Yeah, yeah. I, I still have a lot of... What do you do? Of, like posing seminars when I'm not here? Yeah, well, we've done lats and biceps. It's a series. Oh, that's number. what that's what that's what you did today, biceps. 
Uh, no, I didn't. No, biceps was in one of the other ones, which you cut out. So I'll have to do it again. But it's just a, it's a series that I'm doing uh, on how to look big without actually being big. And it's body part specific. And it's going to culminate in uh, learning how to just flex your entire body at the same time, all the time. We've been talking about that for a while. I think a lot of the people that look like resting jacked, they just are really good at flexing all the time. So it's yeah. if if you want to if you want to be Instagram ready all the time, you just have to flex, and then just make it your subconscious new normal. Yeah, just don't don't breathe in, or don't breathe out. I guess. Yeah, right? don't breathe out. Just yeah, yeah. max inhalation, max lats, max 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 rectus all the time. Yep, <laughs> it's coming soon. We'll we'll work on. It. We'll do a little bit of that in the in the December retreat. I'm sure. The only time you exhale is when you orgasm. <laughs> Which is every time you look in the mirror. <laughs> you look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys later. Peace.